Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. Shohei Otani ended his outing early against the Reds with arm fatigue on Wednesday. Should he pitch again in 2023? Also, the Big 12 is ready for its final year with Oklahoma and Texas, and Trey Lance may be done in San Francisco. I'm Kainani Stevens, in for Peter Bukowski, and this is Locked On Sports Today. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on to enter our promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. Checking in with John Frisch from Locked On Angels because Shohei is always a story. And unfortunately today, not a good one necessarily. He got taken out pretty abruptly from the game today. So what was your immediate reaction and kind of what's your analysis at this point? Just feels like a huge bummer just because the Angels really need a win and they're playing a doubleheader on Wednesday and you expect Otani to get you six, seven innings. And and now they're going to, you know, certainly use up a lot of that pitching staff, whether it's the rotation or the bullpen. And so fortunately, Tyler Anderson was able to come in and take some innings there and the Angels were able to at least finish the game. But you you always expect uh, the the chance to win a game with Otani on the mound. So Huge disappointment. Uh, I think the other half of that is, you know, Trout just came back Tuesday night. He wasn't in the lineup for Shohei's game. So there really wasn't much for Angel fans to be excited about other than seeing talent on the other team, which was the Cincinnati Reds and watching guys like Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean. But as far as Angel fandom go, it was definitely a disappointment there. There a chance that he gets shut down the rest of the year? Where are we at with this? Would you would you guess they'd be a little more conservative with it? Now we got some breaking news. Shohei Otani has a torn UCL and Mike Trout is going back to the injured list. Kind of in shock sitting here. Uh, this tweet came from Sarah Valenzuela from the LA Times who covers the Angels. Mike Trout is going back on the IL. Shohei Otani has a tear in his arm and he will not pitch the rest of the year. They're searching for a second opinion on Otani. It's a UCL tear for Otani. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, the fact that Otani... Look, the Angels aren't going anywhere, that's obvious, but this severely is going to affect what happens to Otani come this offseason in terms of a new de- a new deal. Obviously, the things he does, both pitching and, and behind the plate as well, are amazing, but is there something about... Is this sustainable, right? Like, we've never seen, you know, probably back to Babe Ruth days, people that you know, do this right. sort of how long will he be able to do it right so is there a question mark about whether he will continue to pitch and play for how however much longer yeah I think the biggest question mark is how much longer he can pitch and I also think that's a big question mark for any team and any GM and ownership who wants to give him you know the deservedly huge deal that he's going to get but I think they're going to have to consider what the pitching half looks like in that deal um the other side of that coin, Kinani, is the fact that you still see Verlander and Scherzer slinging it, and you know they're up near forty, and nobody takes care of their body better than Shohei Otani. And I know he's already gone through Tommy John; he had that with the Angels when he first came over here. So all that to say, I mean, it is a big question mark surrounding his next contract, whether that's with the Angels or somebody else. I think everybody's going to have to consider what the back half of that contract looks like what the pitching half of that contract looks like. But at the same time, I I wouldn't be surprised if he could pitch until he's 38, 39, 40 at the end of the day. Honestly, I'm not surprised by anything that man does. So <laughs> he's, our, 
he deserves all the money and he'll do all the things. But um, we'll keep up to date on the story. And of course, Locked on Angels will have updates as things develop. Stay up to date all year long with the Los Angeles Angels by subscribing to Locked on Sports today and Locked on Angels on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Big 12 is ready for the final year of Texas and Oklahoma in tow. Before we get to that, though, the ACC is ramping up some expansion talks. Time now to talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They are stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. They fit like a dream, so to say. Bird dogs invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They also use that anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. You can seriously go from the couch to the golf course to a night out with the same pair of bird dogs on. They are the most comfortable pair of shorts many of us have ever had. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter promo code locked on for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on or promo code locked on for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The ACC is again seriously considering the potential additions of Stanford, California, and SMU. A series of meetings will be held this week to further vet and discuss different financial models that would come with the additions according to a report. The inclusion of all three schools is being heavily discussed in part because they come with significant financial concessions from each of the schools. The conversations within the ACC this week revolved around how that additional money would be distributed among conference members. A vote of 12 of the 15 ACC schools currently is required to approve the additions and just one new positive vote is needed among the block of four, North Carolina, NC State, Clemson, and Florida State that had previously indicated dissent against the move in prior meetings. Aaron Judge was tired of the Yankees losing. Do you hear that? It's a chorus of angels singing because the Yankees' nine-game losing streak is over. Hallelujah! I'm Stacey Gotsoulias of Locked On Yankees, and yes, I'm here to talk about a win. The Yankees won a game. It's a miracle! They won 9-1 against the Nationals, and the big story of the game normally would be the offense. But I'm giving player of the game to Luis Severino. Luis Severino has had a horrifically bad year, and he will tell you that. He threw six and two-third scoreless innings. Now, he wasn't vintage Severino where he was striking people out left and right, but he looked a lot better than he's looked all season. And this was really important for him. And oh, ho-hum, Aaron Judge hit three home runs. So we have everything you need to know about this game. Luis's performance, I'm saying Luis like I'm personal friends with him, Luis Severino's performance, Judge's performance, and we talk about Jason Dominguez because he was promoted to AAA. Was it too soon? No, probably not. And should he be promoted to the Yankees? Probably not, but we'll talk about it. The Orioles silenced the Blue Jays' potent lineup. When you suffer a heartbreaking loss against one of your division rivals, best thing to do the next night is, well, play one of the most complete games you've played all season. And that is what the Orioles did on Wednesday, beating the Blue Jays 7 to nothing in Game 2 of this series. Start with Dean Kramer. He was fantastic and didn't even know he'd be pitching in this game. Remember, Jack Flaherty got scratched earlier Wednesday. Kramer had to fill in, pitch a day early. He throws six scoreless. Why not? 
Anthony Santander hasn't played since Friday with a back issue. Comes back in the lineup, what does he do? Hits two homers. Boom, boom, bullpen locks it down, big eighth inning rally. This Orioles team, that is why they are 30 games over 500, right? They have a tough game, really tough, extra inning, heartbreaking loss Tuesday night. They come back and just hit on every single facet of the game, shut out the Blue Jays, even the series, the very next night. That is what makes this team so good over a 162-game season. They win it, and I'll recap it coming up on Thursday's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. And the Rays squeaked by the Rockies. A walk-off victory for the Tampa Bay Rays. Three of their last four victories at home have been through walk-offs. I'm Ulysses Sembrano, host of the Locked On Rays podcast. The Rays were losing 5-3 in the ninth inning against the Colorado Rockies. They get two in the ninth. Unfortunately, they were not able to win it in the ninth because of a controversial uh, challenge that did not give the Rays the victory. But however, well... Uh, Five minutes later, they get the victory as Brandon Lau gets a single and Oslavis Basave scores from second. Uh, for this and much more of the Tampa Bay Race, please subscribe to Rock on Race on every podcast platform, including YouTube. Raise up. Here is another story you need to know. The Big 12 has been at the center of conference realignment. Oklahoma and Texas got the ball rolling when they announced they were leaving for the SEC. In response, the conference added BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston before then grabbing a few more schools from the Pac-12. How will this transition year play out? Our Locked On hosts in the Big 12 joined Locked On Big 12 host Drake Toll to preview the season. You got Kansas State and Texas Tech who could make a run at it. Both of those teams would like to make a case for the Big 12, but you guys seem like the big dogs. Now, I got to be honest. I'm sleeping with my ex right now. That's what it feels like, right? She's still living in the house, and I got to find a way to kick her out. Texas and Oklahoma have one year left of the Big 12. What can they do to win this conference? Jonathan, we start with you. Texas, the big dog in the Big 12, as the highest-rated team in the coaches' poll. If this squad is going to make some waves in their last year in the conference, what's got to go right? Yeah, so I think that it has to start with Quinn Ewers, right? If we're talking about football, you know, quarterback is the most important position on the field. And, you know, Quinn Ewers, we're still waiting for him to live up to that perfect rating out of high school, right? And the way that he played last year in 2022 – uh, you know, he had an excuse, you know, coming over from Ohio State and essentially being a true freshman, but that's not going to be good enough. So, you know, I think that Quinn Ewers has to show progression. You know, he has to, you know, live up to that rating and he has to take a big jump, you know, for Texas to be capable of winning the Big 12 this year. Also, you know, I think what has to happen this year, if Texas is going to be favored in every game they play in besides Alabama, then Texas has not to not play with their food, right, this year, whether it's against Baylor or Oklahoma. You know, I'm poking fun at the guys on the broadcast, but they have to not play with their food this year, right? If they're that much more talented than every team they're going to go against, if they're favored to beat every team in the conference that they're going to go against, they have to go out there and actually do it on the field. So if Texas can finally get over that hump, if Texas can finally win an offseason championship and then it translates on the field during the regular season, it's going to be because Quinn Ewers took that jump and this team didn't play with their food in 2023. Jonathan, Texas owns the Big 12 in offseason championships more than all other teams combined. Now for you, John Williams in Oklahoma, locked on Sooners, the team that has the most real Big 12 championships. You talk about quarterback position, if that's where it starts. I know a lot of Sooners feel like they're the A1 team in the Big 12. Is that where it starts for this team? And if Oklahoma wins the conference, is it QB play? Dylan Gabriel was really good last year, and I think he 
maybe got underrated because of how bad the defense was. It it put them in a situation where they had to be really, really good on third downs, on fourth downs, in the red zone. And so where they were inefficient was uh, was magnified because of how poor the defense was. For Oklahoma this year, it starts with the defense. If the defense is as bad as it was a year ago, they're not going to improve much from a 6-17 and 17 that they were in 2022. That said, this looks like a team that has built this defense to be much, much better through the transfer portal, through their recruiting class. Everything seems to be trending toward Oklahoma really significantly improving on that defensive effort. The offense was good enough last year. If they you know, are more efficient in a, in a few areas, if the defense is just a little bit better than it was a year ago, this is an eight or nine win team. But the defense was one of the worst in college football last season, and that's how they ended up with a six and seven record. If they make even marginal improvement, it's a much better record by the end of 2023. Steven Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Steven, what are you doing with the underdogs? I have no idea, Drake. I mean, like, this has been TCU's position for the past two decades, so I'm not sure if this is like a holdover from the Gary Patterson era where everybody still thinks we have like two star players with five star hearts, but even like, my, my good brother, Jonathan Davis, was on, you know, he was on with you a moment ago, and he said before he left, I think Steven should be here with the favorites. And could you imagine, Drake, if Texas, even if they got their, you know, self-curb stomp by George in the national title game, could you imagine if they made the national championship, how much hype there would be about UT right now? They might have to create like a new a new category in the preseason poll for the amount of hype there would be about the Longhorns. I feel like even with all the, you know, People that TCU lost, and we know Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson, Kendra Miller, the list goes on. Sonny Dykes is a good offensive coach. He's got more weapons here. They reloaded in the transfer portal. I'm really surprised that I am here, but I'm not upset to be here with all these lovely people. I just think TCU should be one of the favorites in the Big 12. Yep, Stephen, couldn't agree more. I think TCU is right up there with the likes of Kansas State, who won the Big 12 last year, or a Texas Tech. The fact that Texas Tech is valued over TCU is surprising to me. One team that I don't know if they're getting enough love, because I'm not sure. Uh, Derek Johnson of Locked on Jayhawks. I, I assume the majority of Kansas fans understand there is a football team, especially with Jalen Daniels and Devin. You have the preseason best quarterback and one of the best running backs here in the Big 12. And you're not getting a lot of love. Are you surprised by that? No, it makes sense. The defense struggled last year. You give up 35 points per game. And obviously, there's not the track record, right? You want the history um, to make you feel like you're going to be good about your pick. Stay up to date all year long in the Big 12 by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Big 12 on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, Trey Lance may very well be done in San Francisco. Last season, all of us were excited to see how far the 49ers could go with Trey Lance, but then he got hurt. Now this is Brock Purdy's team. Locked on 49ers hosts Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker discuss the new announcement that Sam Darnold is the team's number two quarterback and Trey Lance is on the outs. Yeah, just some initial thoughts. I think you and I, we've been kind of really covering this quarterback uh battle or whatever you want to call it fairly closely right between uh sam darnold and trey lance and i thought we've done a good job of not taking one side or the other it's just hey this is what we're seeing this is what we're thinking and in the process of that we pretty much agreed that we felt and it was like a true or false question that you posed it's like yeah like sam darnold's going to be qb2 so we had that feeling for me it started to look like that in the games and only because i felt like when Sam Donald dropped back, just this feeling I had, 
I felt like I knew more of what I was getting from him than with Trey Lance. For all of Sam Darnold's faults and how bad he has played, and he does have a lot of turnovers in his career and has played some bad football and some bad teams, Sam Darnold's the backup. We're talking about the backup right now. You're talking about the guy who still you hope doesn't play. So even if it's Trey Lance, the 49ers are still hoping that that player doesn't play because Brock Purdy is the number one. Brock Purdy is a starter. So you're never going to have an amazing backup quarterback, and there's going to be faults there. So as far as backup quarterbacks go with what Sam Darnold has paid, he's a high-level backup quarterback in the NFL, and that's what the 49ers have right now. And they trust him. He was more consistent through this process. And the reason he's more consistent through this process is because he started 55 games and Trey Lance has started four games. And Trey Lance, before those four games, sat out a, a full season, right? And so um, really three years now of Trey Lance not really getting to play all that much. If Sam Darnold has to play football games for the 49ers this year, I think it's the right decision that he's the backup. Does he give them a better chance to win football games if Brock Purdy gets hurt? You know, I think I look at the 49 situation and, and the cast that they have with them, right? You're talking about a Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, George Kittle, you know, shoot, you got Christian McCaffrey, you got Kyle Juszczyk. And the way that you're able to get these guys the ball, I'm not sure. And we kind of said this yesterday. I don't know how much it matters, whether it's Brock Purdy or Sam Darnold. Obviously, an unfortunate situation for someone they had such high hopes for in San Fran, but hopefully they can find a new home for him where Trey Lance can start over in the NFL. And finally, Lionel Messi is killing it for Inter-Miami. I'm the best soccer player in the world, inspired a thrilling comeback to help Miami overcome a 2-0 deficit and beat FC Cincinnati on penalties. They now head to the finals of the U.S. Open Cup after a dramatic night in Ohio. It was Miami's second shootout in four days after they beat Nashville SC in the League's Cup Final on Saturday to lift their first trophy in club history. Messi had scored 10 goals in seven games to lead Miami to the League's Cup trophy. On another note, if your nearest MLS team is playing Inter-Miami, good luck trying to get tickets. The cheapest seats on the secondary market to that match in Cincinnati the other night, going for over 400 bucks. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will win the national championship of college football this year? At least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.